Welcome to the Fandom Force podcast, episode three. Uh, I am Sam. I'm Megan, otherwise known as Outriding Tired on Twitter. I'm Caitlin Mathis, writer for Future of the Force and forceknowledge.org. Okay, so um, thanks for joining me this week, guys. Uh, we are going to start off with our Twitter poll from last week. Um, so the Twitter poll that we ran last week was... Uh, came from the discussion after George Lucas uh, revealed he had some different ideas for the sequel trilogy. Um, so our question that we put to you was, who should have been in charge of the sequel trilogy? Um, and we gave you the options, Disney or George Lucas. Um, and actually 68% uh, voted for Disney. Um, Megan, uh, what way would you have gone with this? Ooh, I don't know. I mean... Off the bat, I would say Disney, but at the same time, George knows the most about this universe since he's the one that created it. So it's like, I actually don't know. This is actually kind of torn for me. I, I felt exactly the same way last week when we were discussing it. There were completely different reasons. Like, I've loved everything Disney have put out so far, but equally, I'm so interested to see what George would have done with it. Um, Caitlin, wh where would you have gone with it? I definitely would have gone with Lucas um, because, uh, again, he created this world um, and I know the extended universe and I know the, the, the episodes that were supposed to come next. I know what happens in those books. I know those characters. Um, and it's really disappointing for some of the, the old EU fans that, that Lucas didn't do it because we ended up losing a lot of really amazing characters. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I mean, I haven't read everything EU, but I have read quite a few of the, um, the uh, books post uh, Return of the Jedi, um, and especially the the Thrawn, the original Thrawn trilogy, um, is still one of my favourite book trilogies of all time, and I still dip into that now, even though I know it's not canon. Um, yeah, it's like same here because. All last summer, that is literally all I did. I basically lived at the library. Even though I knew those books were no longer canon, I just had fun reading a bunch of them. And it's yeah, like one, still. Yeah, and it's like one of the ones that stood out to me last summer before I even heard that, um, obviously, that they were going to possibly make a Kenobi movie, which we'll get into later, is um, they actually had a book based all around obi-wan kenobi and what he was doing on tatooine and to me that was interesting and so thinking back on it now before you know all this controversy came up are they gonna do it or are they not it's like i really hope they followed that book or like even if they didn't follow it exactly they did something similar to it because i just loved it yeah i i think that's that's one thing that disney have been good at at times and i think definitely thinking about rebels they've been quite good at cherry picking certain things from the eu but there's definitely large plot points post return of the jedi that have been obviously all of it's been completely changed but there's large things that i think lots of new fans would have loved and old fans would have loved alike so yeah I think... it's like don't even get me started on thrawn yeah. oh his inclusion <laughs> in rebels oh i love that i oh. still to this day that's my favorite star wars moment i was in the room at celebration in 2016 when they announced that thrawn was going to be there and i've never had an atmosphere like that in my life i've never seen people that excited before yeah, I was watching the feed live since, unfortunately, I couldn't go. But, yeah, I was cheering right along with everyone when they announced that. And it's like, sure, I was in a public place and people were looking at me like I was nuts. But <laughs> it's Thrawn! How can you not scream at that? Yeah, Disney's trying a little bit. They've thrown in um, some names um, from the original universe, trying to just to give people a taste of it i guess um but overall i i i couldn't go anywhere but lucas just because i know what happens in that next trilogy and i very much miss those characters yeah yeah definitely yeah but at the least having um all that now uh legend stuff they have like things to cherry pick from as they basically remake the universe yeah 
Yeah, I think yeah, I my I think my biggest issue with Disney, although I just I think went for Disney on this one, um, my biggest issue is that I think they they back themselves in a corner where they said we're going to make episode seven really quickly, and then they didn't really have a plan for episode eight. Ryan Johnson came in, they were like, "You take it wherever you want to go," and then now JJ is going to take it wherever he wants to go with it, and I think they definitely should have planned it out in advance and i think that's probably where where they took a misstep with that but it was interesting to see where the where um everybody thought it was going to go because we did actually get 68 percent that went for disney um so they're obviously doing something right with the sequel trilogy yeah um i'm in all of it anyway no matter who did it was it lucas or disney um I think one of the things that would have been great is if just have one person do it. It doesn't matter who funds it. Just have one person do it. Because now we're going to have the problem of you had a different director in the middle of a trilogy. So now your original director has to go back and kind of revision what he wants the third film to be because the second film wasn't his. Yeah, yeah cuz that's cuz that's also why I like how uh Ryan Johnson was it that has the like completely new trilogy set how it's like at least for now what we know for now it's going to be all his like written and directed by him. Yeah, yeah, I think um well I think they've definitely said that he's going to be writing all three and directing the first one at least. Um and I think I think getting a different a change of directors is always a good thing because they did that with the original trilogy as well. I think George Lucas himself mm-hmm. would admit that taking on both sides of it was too much for him. Um, but I think just having that one creative vision for the trilogy, it, the directors can come and come and go, but I think the writer is the most important thing: is making sure that they've got that vision across the trilogy. Well, anyway, we will get into that a little bit more um, later on. Uh, I think we've got another point that kind of dips into this uh, later on. So we will move on. Um, So now we're going to uh, talk quickly about... And Jack Jack. He's in excellent health. What the... Num Num Cooking. Cooking. Wow. Okay, that is freaky. Uh, the Incredibles 2, which has just been released in America, and I was very lucky enough to see a, an early screening of it over here as well, so luckily I, I have got an idea of uh, what happens in the story. Um, obviously, we're going to try and stay non-spoiler for this, as I know a lot of people still haven't haven't had a chance to go out and see it. Um, so I'm assuming both of you have seen it. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right caitlin don't you I've worry seen, like everything but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so we'll go to you then megan uh what what were your thoughts uh on the incredibles basically that it was worth the 14 year wait and that i was glad it was the same director so that you could see like echoes to the first movie but yes they were still different enough to stand on their own yeah definitely uh, i think the big thing that I took from it, uh, I think going into it, I wasn't sure how it was going to fit in with the first film. I, I wasn't sure if they were just going to kind of end the first film there and start a whole new story or whatever. But it flows really well from the first film without giving anything away. It does flow really well. Um, I thought the additional characters that came in this one were really effective um, and definitely played towards... a a new generation, the the new younger generation. I think that will hook in a lot of um, uh, new kids into the franchise. Because uh, I know myself, I haven't been back and watched uh, until I knew that we were going to be talking about this. I hadn't watched the first Incredibles probably for seven, eight years myself. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, I think it was just another really fun movie. I don't think it was a groundbreaking film but i i really enjoyed enjoyed the watch yeah and then we all basically know how it starts right because that's like one of the things they used to promote it so if so i was wondering what you guys would think what you guys thought about them starting it right there as opposed to let's say slightly later in the story i was a little bit sad that they weren't kind of doing the toy story thing where it's been the same amount of years in in toy story as it was uh, for us in between the movies. So essentially 
two different generations got to to see different Toy Stories. I was a little sad they didn't do that, but everybody says that that it ended up really well anyway. Yeah, I think I think that was that was obviously going to be the main discussion when they were talking about making this film again that I think they had really they only had those two choices. They were either going to immediately continue the story or they were going to do quite a time jump and talk about that. Um I think actually because the first film was all about them getting together as a group of superheroes or the family getting together as a group of superheroes, I don't think you'd you'd kind of dug into the characters as much as we thought we did. Um, So in this one, they do dig a little deeper into actually what drives these characters. Even the the kids, I thought, were amazing in this film. So I think that that was a, a real bonus for the second film and for the choice of carrying it on straight away. Yeah, because it's like, for me, even not just in The Incredibles, but superheroes in general, it's like as much fun as those action scenes are and the superhero part of it is, the other side that I love is also seeing their realistic, like more human side and let's say like behind the scenes kind of stuff, how they live their lives. For me, that's just more interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that definitely came across in this film. There was a large part of this film that was that side of it. Um, and I love the the relationship, um, obviously, between Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible. Their, their relationship as husband and wife um, is obviously played up a lot in this film and the way that they deal with different things that they're doing. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting part of the film. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely... Um, I definitely go along with, I think most of the reviews are saying that it's a worthy addition. I would definitely go along with that. Um, so Caitlin, you haven't seen it yet. I definitely think you, uh, you should go out and uh, check it out because it is uh, a really fun watch. And it's definitely worth multiple viewings. So if you can see them like back to back, it's <laughs> worth it. It's fun. <laughs> we, uh, I only just got to see Jurassic world and I love those movies. Um, we just moved uh, like 600 miles, so like all of my stuff is still in boxes. Oh, um, wow. But... oh wow! <laughs> but um, no, I I absolutely loved that that first movie. I saw it multiple times when it came out 14 years ago in theaters. So I'm sure once I see it once, it'll just be boom boom. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, so talked about uh, the incredibles we are going to now move on to a couple of uh, trailers that uh, dropped this week i was afraid i couldn't live up to these expectations you don't think you got your validation i got loyalty got loyalty inside my dna um so the first trailer we're going to talk about is uh, the new Creed, Creed 2 trailer. Um, first of all, Caitlin, I'll, I'll start with you. Are you a fan of the Rocky um, franchise or did you see the first Creed and did you enjoy it? Um, I have seen the Rocky movies. I admit I was one of those people that I got to the third one. Like, very, It's a good series. It really is. Not completely my thing. I really liked Creed. Yeah. I really like what they did with his character. That was a really neat tie-in, and his relationship with his father is so cool. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I'm exactly the same. I kind of got into the Rocky films. I watched the first couple, uh, and then have like kind of dozed through the next few. Um, I watched. I remember when they did Rocky Balboa. I went to the cinema to see that. Um, but yeah, when Creed came out, I was a huge, huge fan. I think it, it definitely steps it up a gear and definitely speaks to our generation now um more than rocky did i think at the time i think it's very much like um a a social film as much as a boxing film um so megan what did you think of the first creed well believe it or not i actually haven't seen any of the rocky movies i mean (laughs) yeah i mean i've heard the music and i've listened to some of it while working out you know like um like Rocky's theme and yeah, I yeah. the type, I and I just love running to those, which I actually did earlier today. But anyway, yeah, it's like I'll listen to the music and stuff, but I've only seen bits and parts of all the movies. I've never actually seen any of them all the way through. So uh, did, um, 
let's go back to you then, Caitlin. So you liked the first Creed. What did you think of the trailer for the second one? Uh, I'm really excited to see what our dynamic is. Um, obviously, he's fighting a boxer that fights dirty and is really amazing. Is kind of the the theme we get from it. But now it looks like we're throwing in the fact that he has a baby. At least that's the impression that we get us is that he's a dad now too. And so he, we, you kind of see him becoming his father. Um, it, he's stuck between, I need to be there for my family and the ego of I'm a boxer. I can beat this guy. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic and, um, maybe how it, how it relates to his father. And of course we're going to have Rocky telling him not to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm so interested to see how he is becoming his dad all over again. And the fact that his mother is still in it and she's going to watch a second member of her family go through this. Um, so just from the, from the look of it, I'll definitely be going to see it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, that that dynamic now is definitely definitely going to shift towards him being a dad and those repercussions and and as a relatively casual boxing fan you hear about boxers talking about this all the time about their talking about their families and how they're only going to do it for a certain length of time because they don't want to have it impacting their families and i think that storyline is definitely going to get picked up on this one um so yeah i'm i'm i've got big hopes for this one yep um I do as well, and I'm looking forward to maybe um, expanding that world a little bit and seeing if we um, bring in a few new characters and um, what they add to it. I'd really like to meet a couple of other serious boxers, maybe not that that he faces individually, but I do feel like we are kind of in a box of it's him, his immediate family, a coach, and whoever he's beating up. So I would kind of like to to bring in a few more boxers um, just as almost side characters, um, just to kind of expand that world a little bit. Yeah, and I definitely think the, um, following on from that, that the arena at the end, uh, that, that shot at the end of that huge, huge arena, I feel like we've jumped there very quickly. So I'd quite like to see, like you say, a, a few other characters along that journey before we kind of hit that point, which I'm assuming that's going to be like the pinnacle of the film. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, very good point. This perfectly recreates the mating call of the reindeer. Behold. Oh, hey there. Sorry, little goat. I was looking for a reindeer. <laughs> Okay, so we will move on to uh, the second trailer that was released this week, um, which was the Grinch trailer. Um, Megan, I have a feeling that you're you might enjoy this one, so I will go go over to you first. Yeah, well, I actually didn't realize it came out. I just saw it yesterday on YouTube. I actually just saw both of them on YouTube yesterday, and while it looks fine for what it is, it's like, uh, why do we need it? For me, the Grinch is the kind of villain where it's like, he doesn't need a backstory. The Grinch is just the Grinch. He just is. So it's like, why? I I, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I think I'm, I'm completely with you there. It's uh, another case of making a film to over-explain something. Um, that Kate- and just to make money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Caitlin, what did you think of it? I thought it looked um, cute. I thought it looked like it had some really good moments. It looks almost exactly like um, the Lorax um, with uh, color palette characters, animation. But I was along the same lines of, I don't understand why they're redoing it. Um, the last one was perfectly fine. It, Yeah, it's one of those where I I just feel like they were like, well, let's, no, let's do another animated movie. Okay, let's redo The Grinch. Yeah, you don't necessarily yeah, it, need it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's like first there was obviously the original animated one, then years later there's the live action one, and now we're getting another animated one. It's like a uh, okay, yeah, not not my kind of thing, but okay. If you want to put money behind it, do you want to do it? Okay. I think um, it, it just seems I I for me I don't know who was asking for this film. 
When you think about um, reboots for other films, obviously lots of other... I'm thinking, the one that pops to mind is Spider-Man. The amount, and Spider-Man and Batman, how many times have we seen different yeah. iterations of those films? But as soon as one of one series of that film finishes, everybody's like, right, who's going to be the next Batman? Who's going to be the next Spider-Man? After Jim Carrey did The Grinch, I don't think there was anyone saying, right, who's going to be the next Grinch? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, no, not me. Um, and my other gripe with it is that as... British man I am uh, I just feel like um what's his name Benedict Cumberbatch is horrifically stereotyped as like this typical British guy when 99% of us aren't anything like that and I just yeah, think it, it gets played up so much and I just I, I don't know I feel like he yeah. just drives me mad <laughs> yeah it's like I saw that he was starring this as the Grinch and I was like they got Doctor Strange is the Grinch. <laughs> who, who does he owe money to? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had that too. Like when I, as soon as I saw his name come up, how how on earth did they get him to do the Grinch? Like he he's Doctor Strange and Sherlock, not the Grinch. My feeling is that they likely had. They probably have something on him, and I was like, "Yeah, movie, or we'll do this." Maybe, I think. Um, yeah, I d- yeah, I don't know what what drove him to do that. I'm assuming that as a a voiceover, it probably wasn't um, overly time consuming for him, and he probably yeah, he didn't take t- take too much care over oh, it. True. But we'll wait and see. <laughs> Maybe it was just something fun to do between what, for now, until we get an official title for the second one, what I'm calling Infinity War Part 2. Just yeah. something small, something interesting to do between them. Yeah, yeah, that that won't take, I mean, he won't have to do too much. It's sitting in a booth and, and talking along with a character. So I'm sure that I'm sure that he got compensated fairly well for it. So we'll, we'll wait and see what it's like. Um, so with those two... To released, uh, I think this will be a, a difficult choice for you, Megan. Um, <laughs> but uh, which one out of the two um, would you go and see if you could only see one of them? Which would you go and see, Caitlin? We'll start with you. Oh, Creed. Yeah, <laughs> easy decision, sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, what about you? Yeah, it's like same here. Even though I haven't seen either of any of the Rocky movies, it's like still I'd go to see Creed before. The Grinch movie. It's like, yes, typically I'm more like animation wise. They typically tell better stories, but in this case, I'm sorry, Rocky has me all the way. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm completely with you on that one, um, but I do think that that is interesting. That even someone who has never seen any of the the Rocky films is still rather going to see that than the Grinch, and kind of reinforcing the who who wanted the Grinch uh, to be made. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, if I was babysitting a kid and they wanted to see it, okay, fine. I'd, I'd deal with it fine. It wouldn't be too bad. But, yeah, otherwise. I, I genuinely think that that is the only way that I'm ever going to see that film, is if I'm looking after children and and they are absolutely begging to see it. Because other than that, I just don't think I'm ever going to see that film. No, no, that's when you compromise and go see The Incredibles. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And hopefully by that time, Incredibles 2 is also streaming. So, yay, everyone's happy. Absolutely. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. Okay, brilliant. Right, we are going to move on uh, to uh, our next segment where we're going to talk about the MTV Movie Awards. Um, Now, I'll preface this by saying that obviously the MTV Movie Awards aren't lauded as the the greatest thing a film can win. Um, And the original nominees are picked by the people at MTV. However, they are voted for by the general public so i think it does give uh maybe not a fair reflection but it gives you a, a snapshot a of what decent of, idea. yeah yeah it gives us a snapshot of what um fans are thinking and um how they they've viewed the films that have come out this year so i'm just going to really quickly run through a few of the categories that i've picked out and then we'll we'll get into a little bit of a discussion so 
Um, Black Panther won a ridiculous amount. <laughs> so they won Best Movie over Avengers, Girls Trip, It and Wonder Woman. Uh, best Performance was by Chadwick Boseman. Um, they had Best Hero, Chadwick Boseman. Best Villain, Michael B. Jordan. Um, and I think... I want to say there was another one, but I can't see it now. But still, that's um, quite a few uh, few that they've won there. I can't help but think that Timothy uh, Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name, Ansel Elgort, Baby Driver, Daisy Ridley in Star Wars The Last Jedi um, were all beaten to best performance in a movie by Chadwick Boseman. What are your thoughts on that? I think someone at that movie paid someone uh, <laughs> uh chadwick boseman got best hero over gal gadot over wonder woman no just no um they did almost nothing with his character in that movie that we didn't know from the previous movies he had been in yeah um that was an amazing movie i loved black panther yeah. but wonder woman What's funny is I still have yet to see either movie, Wonder Woman or Black Panther. What? But <laughs> how, I've been so busy. How between, has that happened? Uh, between my last semester in school and then, let's see, looking for jobs and doing all that crazy stuff now. And yeah, it's like I wanted to. Those are on my list, but it's like, yeah. Put them and both it, at the yeah. top of your list right now. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yes, as soon as I can find the time. It's like, those are literally the top two on my yeah. list. But okay, watch anyway, them back yeah. to back. Watch them back to back and give us your immediate gut reaction. Yes. Wonder Woman. Get, get an article up as you're... Get a document up as you're watching them. Write down your thoughts and then put it on the future of the force and then we can all read yeah. exactly how you reacted to them. Yeah, Absolutely. I, but... And, I mean, best villain, Michael B. Jordan... What? He beat Thanos. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Michael B. Jordan in that film was, he was a good bad guy. I loved his backstory. Like, I loved how they humanized him. But he was still a bully. Like, he was there to take over the world. Like, that that was just kind of how it was. Um, Thanos is the best kind of bad guy because he feels like he has a moral imperative i can therefore i should and he want he thinks that he's making the universe a better place like he genuinely is coming at this from i know it's really gonna suck for these people but it's what needs to happen for the good of the universe yeah and that's what makes him such an evil bad guy is he thinks he's right yeah it's it, it is amazing yeah it's like it, that that's what i really loved about infinity where for me that was one of the draws is that he wasn't just a stereotypical villain, I'm taking over the universe just because I can. He actually has a backstory and a reason because he thinks he's right instead of like, okay, yes, he thinks he's right, uh, but all we see is the evil. This time we get both sides. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the stereotypical one is that they've got revenge. They need to enact revenge on someone and that is exactly what... Um, killmonger does in uh black panther he feels hard done by and therefore feels like he needs to act upon that and and take over um and thanos doesn't have that <laughs> he just doesn't have a, a thing this isn't a revenge thing it's him thinking that he's doing the best for everyone um and that that is what makes him such an interesting character and actually that leads me on to the other person that i i'm a massive adam driver fanboy but He's exactly the same. Kylo Ren, although he feels hard done by, he still thinks that what he's doing is right. And he's not necessarily um, following what other people think he should be doing. That's the whole thing. He needs to let the past die. He wants to break free of what everybody expects him to be. Um, and that's what makes him, for me, that's what makes him such an interesting character in Star Wars as well. Um, I think both of them put in better for better performances and have a better character arc than Michael B. Jordan. And I'm not saying that he was at all a bad character or a bad villain. He was amazing, but I just think the other two might have pipped him to that one. Yeah. I think Adam Adam Driver outacted maybe a little bit. Um 
I'm not crazy with what they're doing with Kylo Ren right now, just because as far as I see it, Star Wars doesn't have a villain. Um, he's yeah. still just, he reminds me so much of Anakin it, that it's ridiculous. Not Vader, Anakin. Yeah, yeah. The, Angsty yeah, teenage that, boy. Yeah, that that's why when they killed um, uh, Snoke in 8, it's like my immediate reaction, even my first viewing was, uh, yeah, ha, uh, wait. Wait a second, do we not have a villain anymore? Because Kylo, no, no, he, he's, he's a whiny, pouty brat. No, he's not a villain. Yeah, but yeah, we, I'll be interested to see where they go from that. But I think of those, Michael B. Jordan, for me, probably would have been second after Thanos, followed closely by Adam Driver. Yeah. Uh, but to me, Thanos was, was just the winner on that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think <laughs> there's best villain taken away from them. Uh, best hero, I, I, there's no way anyone could have won that over Gal Gadot. Uh, her performance in Wonder Woman was incredible. Um, one that I was really happy to see was uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown uh, winning best performance in Stranger Things. Uh, I thought yeah. I thought that her arc in in the second series again was quite an unexpected one. Um, I loved what they did with that, and they they also won um, the best show as well. So I think that that was well deserved. Um, and then best on screen team, uh, the kids from It won that, which I thought was amazing as well. Yes, um, and uh, Gal Gadot won best fight uh, with her and the the German soldiers, um, and I felt like it maybe it actually. I actually disagreed with that a tiny bit just by who she was going up against. But um, I so desperately wanted her to win something yeah. that uh, that I'll, I'll take whatever she can get. Um, I think if that I was think... renamed Best Scene, <laughs> then I might yes. well have been on board yes. with that one because it was that scene was incredible. Yes. Um, the only place where I think that Black Panther should have actually traded awards with... Um, or done better than it did was with scene stealer um letitia wright shuri she did not win that and i that actually surprised me uh she was one of my favorite characters in the movie um and we don't really even know much about her yeah i i think yeah again she was an incredible character uh looking at that list i personally i haven't seen riverdale so i can't comment uh comment on that um but taika waititi is korg um is easily the most quotable film or that that his character is one of the most quotable characters of last year i absolutely loved all of korg's parts in that so i would have loved if that that had won as well yeah because it's like when you're first introduced to him it's like okay sure he's this dude made of rocks but he's like so soft-spoken that when you actually see him fight it's like wow okay yeah. i love it <laughs> i think it's, it's that classic deadpan like um kiwi comedy uh, that Taika Waititi is well known for that it just works so well in that film I think obviously they revitalised Thor with, with that film so yeah I would have loved to have seen that win something um, as well but yeah I think you're absolutely right that Shuri um, could have could have taken that one as well um, so yeah some, some interesting things to take away from there and again it was a, a fan voted thing so it, it obvious that Black Panther is still lauded as one of the best films um, that came out I can't even remember if it was last year. It was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had to have been to be included in yeah. in these awards. Um, and I think th- that for me was quite interesting because obviously when Infinity War first came out, the first two three weeks of Infinity War was just overhyped to the max. Uh, like I love Infinity War, but I couldn't believe what like I was reading that this was the greatest film of all time and things like that. And I think once that settled no. down and people started revisiting Black Panther, I think that once again people rightly so were saying that Black Panther was a, a, an incredible film and probably one of the the best that Marvel have produced so far. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely in my top 5. You're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? 
Okay, so um, we'll leave that there for now um, because I think we've got quite a hefty discussion coming up now. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. Originally, <laughs> this is how quickly things change. Originally, at the start of this week, um, because many rumours were telling us that the Boba Fett film was being made with James Mangold. Originally, this point was going to be about us discussing what we wanted the Boba Fett film to be all about. Um, and then, obviously, we've had plenty and plenty of rumours and a story that broke um, from Collider about um, Disney scrapping um, all of uh, the uh, Star Wars stories films, um, so the standalone films, um, until they've at least completed this trilogy. Let's just discuss whether we think it would be a good idea for them to do or a bad idea for them to do. Um, so, Caitlin, if we go to you first, do, do you think that it, it would be a good idea for Lucasfilm to stop the standalone films until they've at least got through the, this trilogy and maybe Ryan Johnson's trilogy? That really is a tough one for me, just because um, this last movie, Solo, was my favorite movie that Disney has done yet. I absolutely loved it. Um, and so it's, it's between, yeah, they probably should to get their lineup. They need to get lined up their stories. What movies we're going to do next. When are we going to release them? Maybe not around infinity war. Um, and, get stories together and get directors together, a writing team. Everything needs to be laid out. This needs to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They need to know what they're doing for the next five to six years out all the time. Find a consistent time to release your films and and start that way. Because um, I think they rushed into the trilogy very quickly. And I think it's cost them a little bit um, in the way of continuity, n not money. Just continuity. Yeah, I, c I couldn't um, agree more with that, that, that they definitely rushed into it and that they need to have, have that plan moving forward. Yeah, yes. it's like, I agree. Given As much as we'd love more Star Wars and love to learn more about it, more about that universe, let them take, like, a few years off, get everything together, and only then, after that time off, start pitching ideas and start making the movies again. So that, again, they at least have a blueprint. Even if it's not 100% finalized, they at least have a good blueprint, a good idea of where they want to go from that point forward. Yeah, I think I think that it's maybe not necessarily about taking time off, but maybe having that plan in place. I know that, that Marvel are 10 years ahead or whatever they are ahead, and they, they know exactly what's coming. And I don't think that they they necessarily know exactly what each storyline is going to be and that will develop with time um but just being confident in what you're doing and saying this is what we're going to do whereas at the moment they're trying to be reactive they're trying to put films out and say oh well that didn't hit so much so we're going to go in this direction or that did hit so we're going to go in this direction and i think that it's not a confident way of making films. And I, d I think that that comes across and it definitely came across in the solo marketing that they weren't Disney were not going to push solo ahead of infinity war. They just weren't because they knew that infinity war was going to be such a big hit. And it was such a missed opportunity to move it to may or that keep it at may when they should have moved it back to December. No, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things that they need to think about doing is, when they start marketing something, um, they need to give it time and they need to make sure that they're not going to completely overlap when they're marketing their movies. Like they did release Infinity War and then only a few weeks later, was it literally two weeks later, we got Solo. So marketing those at the same time, they, they crossed each other and you're dealing with the same fan base. You have to keep in mind that not everybody can get away to go see a movie every two weeks. So they have to pick. You yeah, need that to stretch them out. Yeah, it's like especially with the director change midway through. As much as we wanted it, then I would have preferred to have waited till December till they had a better product, so that they had more time to go in and fix everything and do whatever they needed to. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Um, from my point of view, I, do, I I don't agree with that point because I, I like Caitlin. It is my favorite film that they put out since Disney took over. Um, I just think that 
so I think so. I can't remember where I read it, but someone mentioned that that special feeling of going to see a Star Wars film, and I've had that every Christmas for the last three years since Episode Seven came out, and I, I didn't have that feeling. I remember going into Solo, trying to get myself excited for Solo, and I obviously I, I couldn't wait to go and see the film, and I love Star Wars, and I wanted to see this film. But I definitely didn't have that excitement that I did with the other three films because I don't think I had the time to build up to it in my head. It was very much like Infinity War, Deadpool, and then, oh, next week it's Solo as well. So I felt I genuinely felt like I had a week to get excited about Solo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And the thing that worries me about that now is we talked about in episode zero... We yeah. talked about Maul being in that movie. Well, now what are they going to do with him? If that was a last-minute tie-in, it means they're not ready to give us the rest of the story. Take your time. Please give me that story, but give it to me so that you've actually thought it through and it makes sense and you don't step on your own canon. I, I because, d- yeah. I, either, I've step almost... on your own, either step on your own, say you don't step on your own canon or back yourself into a corner where it's like, Yes, this is cliche, it's overdone, but it's your only option. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I, I've almost convinced myself that we are definitely not going to get that story for quite some time now, um, if at all. Um, which I, I just, when I came out of the cinema, when I first saw it, I walked out in my head thinking, we're going to get a sequel. We are going to get a sequel of this in a couple of years' time, and they are going to continue this story. We might follow Kira and Maul running Crimson Dawn. It's going to be amazing. I was so like pumped for it. And then as soon as you saw the numbers come out for Solo and how few people um, went to go and see it and the amount of money that it took, you think it's, they're not going to do a sequel, if at all. Um and that's really worrying, I think, from, from a Lucasfilm point of view. I think it is worrying for them um, as much as it is for fans. And what's so sad about it is it's their own fault. They released it way too close to Infinity War and Deadpool. That's the, all the same audience. And so they had to choose which movie they were going to go see that weekend. And for some reason, Solo just didn't win out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, and I, I just think that... I. I remember talking to one of my friends about it um, who isn't a massive Star Wars fan but normally comes to the cinema with me to go and see the Star Wars films but that's sort of their their only Star Wars discussion for the year it's going to see one Star Wars film um, and I remember saying do you want to come and see Solo with me and they were like I, I didn't even know it was coming out they they had no idea and it's not like they are living in a bubble and they, they watch other films they watch TV and it, they had absolutely no idea that Solo had come out because the marketing just wasn't there for it. They had yeah. like a few TV spots here and there. And actually, looking back now, because I am one of those people that complain about the amount of TV spots that came out for like The Last Jedi and Force Awakens because it just seems constant that they're just constantly throwing new stuff at us. But actually, it works. It works to get those fans that aren't dedicated fans that are going to go and see it, whatever. It works to get those outsider fans interested in the film and going to go and see it and they just didn't do that with this film yeah that and it probably doesn't help that they were basically two star wars movies essentially back to back with not much time in between when compared to let's say when rogue one was released their first standalone and then a complete year later when uh last jedi was released at least then there was some time between the two whereas with this it just felt like really quick. And then, like you both were saying, to combine that with the release of Infinity War and Deadpool, it's like, that was pretty much recipe for, for disaster from the start. I wonder why they chose this release date. All of the fans are used to getting their Star Wars fix in December. Because so it's genuinely curious. Because it was the 41st anniversary of Star Wars. Okay, that's all well and good. Throw a party, but don't release it next yeah. to other films. Yeah, I, I think um, from these reports that have come out this week that this was a Disney decision and not a Lucasfilm decision that Disney had, or these are the rumours that Disney had had enough with um, Lucasfilm almost 
messing them about with changing directors, changing uh, filming schedules, and it all happened with um, Rogue One as well. And I think when they changed directors, Disney turned around and said, look, we're okay with you changing directors, we're okay with you changing the filming schedule, but this film is going to come on that out on that date and we're not prepared to change that date. And I think it was almost like a, a stand of defiance from Disney saying that, look, you can do it your way and you can change your directors and have whatever problems that you want to have with filming, but you've told us that this is when it's going to come out and that's when it's going to come out. Yeah, that's disappointing a yeah, little bit yeah absolutely yeah it is um yeah so i it's it's a tricky it's such a tricky one to because i i genuinely have loved everything that's come out since uh disney have taken over i've enjoyed all of the films to varying levels um but for them to stop it now i just i don't know as a star wars i'm i'm one of those star wars fans that ju- i just want more um, I cannot wait for Stars of Resistance to come out. I can't wait for Thrawn Alliances. That's coming out soon. Um, just, I'm happy to eat up any Star Wars. So th- when they're telling me that I'm probably not going to get a film every year um, in the near future is a little bit disappointing. Well, we have to remember, I mean, how far apart were the prequels? Several years each. Yeah, I think there were th- three years in between them. Yeah, I think there were three. Yeah, three in between each. So... We, we have gone through a drought before. It wasn't fun. Um, but now we have the, the animated series and books and comics and things like that that can kind of keep you busy in the meantime. Um, yeah, because isn't that essentially what they did during, like, once all the prequels ended and then before we got the, like, 7, 8, and now coming 9, we at least had Clone Wars to start with and then Rebels. So, again, that same idea of, Yes, it's not a movie, but we still at least have something Star Wars to satisfy us to hold us over. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think even in between the the prequels, they had uh, the like cartoon animated Clone Wars. I don't know if either you yeah. remember those. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, to start with or the, we had those, and yeah. then Rebels. Well, yeah, yeah, even before the 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 Clone Wars, like the Dave Filoni. Actually, I'm not sure if he worked on the first one. They've got like the proper like cartoony style. It almost is like Powerpuffs kind of style yeah. cartoon. Yeah, it looks it looks old school hand drawn kind. Of yeah, thing. yeah, and I think I remember hearing that it was that Dave was part of that. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, yeah, he may well. I'm have been. pretty sure. I wouldn't and be surprised if he if he was. I am well on board with the uh, the Dave Filoni should write all Star Wars stories uh, thing. Yes, I, I've yes. very please, recently please. just rewatched all of Rebels. And honestly, I I cannot believe how like how much that storyline still sucks me in now. Even knowing exactly what happens, I still watch episodes and I like I can't remember. I watched one episode the other day and I remember it finishing, and I just sat there staring at a blank screen, just thinking, "This is just the best." tv show i think i've ever seen I, I, yeah, it's like whereas for me they're so good i have trouble still watching them because i know it's done and it's like it just it just for me that good yeah where it's like uh, i just i i want to but i i still, I still can't if i'm doing something i still turn on clone wars in the background yeah that, it's one of my basic bra- background uh movies um, and that's one thing Disney could could get on board with is finish them. Yeah, definitely. Those the the lost episodes that they've kind of basic put together on. Uh, I think they're on YouTube actually, where you can see some of them. Um, I would just would have loved to have seen where Series Six is going. And and for me, just give us a, an Ahsoka standalone something, whether it's a TV show, uh, like straight to TV movie, or whatever they want to do. Give me a feature-length Ahsoka story. And yeah, because it's like, happy. yes, we have the book, but it's like, at the same time, the book only does so much and only tells so much, so it's like, I want to know more. And actually, one, um, of, one of my friends, John, uh, at Star Wars News Nep, tweeted earlier today um, about if a story's been told in comic books or in, in a book, I don't think that he, or he said that he didn't think there was any reason why it couldn't be told again. Um, when you think about the percentage of Star Wars fans that read comic books or read the books, it's, it must be quite a 
small percentage of us. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't think there's any reason. And, and they do it with the books and the comic books anyway. Like the Thrawn book, they retold as a comic book and they've done it with the films. I don't think there's any reason why we can't do it the other way around. There's no reason why they couldn't adapt the Ahsoka novel into into a a TV series or a couple of uh, like a mini a mini series on um just on like the Disney streaming service or something. I just think yeah, pe- pe- more people would be able to engage with that, especially when they launch this streaming service. And I think that that would be a really good way to go, and that that would definitely definitely appease fans of those sort of characters as well. Yeah, and that's because... one of the reasons why I would love to have the finish the Clone Wars out because Ahsoka had a a very large story arc in the following seasons. Um, Dave Filoni in, um, I want to say it was Celebration three years ago, on a panel actually told us what he was going to do with Ahsoka. Um, yeah, it and was, had drawings and yeah, it was the it, whole it, Mandalore it story arc, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was amazing, and it it ended with her on Mandalore and with Obi Wan and Anakin running off to save the Chancellor. I mean, it butted right yeah, up yeah. to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that, and also part of her novel talks about that too. So it's like it'd be yeah. good for that purpose too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I t- yeah, and I, I, this is where <laughs> this is where my whole Dave Filoni argument comes in that. He is so good at developing characters that we care about. I I think, when did it come out? 2015. So I would have been 25. 20, yeah, 25 years old. And it was a kid's, aimed as a kid's or a teenager's TV series. And it, it took me half an episode to be hooked into these characters because he has that sensibility and he can hook people in that quickly. Because he knows what drives characters, and he knows how to play char- certain characters off each other, and that it just works so well. And I just don't—I still don't understand why they just haven't given him a bigger project to work on other than a TV series. Yeah, because it's like even if a character starts out like really annoying you and grating you, grating on your nerves, as Ahsoka did, it's like he does that for a reason, so that as like the series or story or whatever progresses you get a bigger picture of the, that character's growth and it can, you can appreciate it that much more. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Find me someone that loved the Clone Wars movie and I will find you a liar. Oh my goodness. Ahsoka in that movie drove me insane. Who yeah. is this little brat that's hanging out with Anakin? Can we kill her? And, and, and zero then, the hut. By, oh, by the time that that show ended, when she left the Order... I literally cried. I tears. Had tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, where's that lightsaber? And can I stab myself with it? It was uh, like that painful. She, she showed up in rebels and I actually screamed at the TV. I yelled. Yeah. It's like, show by that point, show me someone who didn't do that. And yeah, again, I will show you a liar. Yeah. yeah. I, I watched the, um, I think that it wasn't that episode, but I watched the episodes where, um, Kanan and Ezra go and find the Jedi temple temple on Lothal, and uh, Kane. That's when Kanan gets knighted by the uh, the Grand Inquisitor, um, as it were. And uh, Ezra talks to Yoda, but as they're leaving the temple, Yoda appears to Ahsoka, and she just gives him like a little like winky look as she walks away. Uh-huh. Honestly, yeah, like that moment, I was like, any... yes. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's good. like it, with anyone else, there probably would have been like a quick thing of dialogue, but with them, Just, with Dave, all you needed was that look. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does that so, so often that there's there's unspoken things that you just convey so much more. They're so clever with it; it's unbelievable. So where, how are we going to finish Rebels? Are we going to get a book series? We have no idea where Kanan is or where Ahsoka has been. Well, I thought we knew that Kanan Rain was now like one of the Force. He was like gone. Where is uh, the? I thought the bigger question was, where the heck is Ezra on Thrawn? Yeah, yeah, Ezra. Did I say Kanan? Yeah. Okay, I'm in Ezra. Yeah. Kanan, no, Kanan's yeah. dead. Um, Ezra and Ahsoka, because Ahsoka, we assume, has just been in hiding, not influencing the war one way either other or and then ezra shot off with a giant electric squid um so 
how are we going to finish that story? Has they, have they said it all? No. Yeah, <laughs> no, that... I'm I'm still holding. Uh, they've they have said that John Favreau series, which is taking place, I think, seven years after Return of the Jedi, they've said that that's going to contain all new characters. But I'm still holding out hope that that's that's what it's going to be. The live action series is going to be Kanan, yeah. is... uh, not Kanan, Ezra, Thrawn, Ahsoka, and Sabine would just yeah. be amazing. Yeah, it's like that. And just because it stars new characters doesn't mean they can't touch base with characters we're familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you heard last week we pitched our own Star Wars story ideas and mine was all about uh, two boys escaping the First Order in between eight and nine um, and ending up running into Ezra um, and they end up dragging him into the Resistance. So I'm still like, that would be incredible if Ezra just showed up with the Resistance in episode nine. I'd be like, yes. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, but then how would you feel? Okay, Ezra shows up. But then what would you do with Thrawn? Is he still there? Is he on the other side of the planet? Is he gonna, did something happen between him and Ezra? Or I think my one thing that I've I've hold out hope with Thrawn is that they saw that reaction when they brought Thrawn, even though he was only only existed in expanded universe books. When they brought him into Rebels, they saw the reaction from the fans and how positive that was. I don't think. Although they need to find the right story for it, I don't think they will be afraid to bring him into a live-action film. I think that they would be more than happy to do that when they have the right story to tell that. Agree. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I think it would be a... I think fans would absolutely love it. Yeah, that and imagine a Thrawn standalone. Because then it's not just a standalone, it's also from the villain's point of view, which is something... That, to my knowledge, we haven't had in a Star Wars film before. No, no I mean, not Anakin. Yeah, the the closest yeah. we get is Revenge of the Sith, but um, yeah, not not directly a villain's point point of view. And I think, to be honest, I think by the time we get to, or if we do get to that point with uh, Thrawn post Return of the Jedi, I'm not convinced that he will be a villain at that point. I think he may may well be just as against the First Order, although maybe not on the side of the Resistance. I think he he won't align with the First Order as he did with the Empire. Um, Do you think he'd be like more like on his own side? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely more that you can do with the Chiss as a race, um, uh, going back to his home planet and things. I think that that's how you start to expand the universe. You get a character that isn't from within that that. Um, universe and they then you start to expand it you go back to their planet and then you look at planets around that and then you can gradually expand and expand i think that would be a great way to do it and he's a perfect character to do it because they already know that the fans love him yeah and it's like especially since he's not like a more well-known one it's like there yes there's books and stuff about him out because like you mentioned towards more towards the beginning of this uh Thrawn alliances coming out they at least have those blueprints to start with yeah and i i love the fact that they've they've dropped in that in the excerpt that the, the first excerpt that they released for Thrawn alliances they dropped in that um Thrawn knew sky or oh, we know we know that Thrawn has met anakin as it were so it's going to be so interesting and i i, I hope that that discussion comes up that darth vader explains that he was Anakin Skywalker or that he destroyed Anakin Skywalker or whatever it is. I hope that that discussion comes up in that book because I think yeah. that'll be a really interesting dynamic between the two. Yeah, that's one of the main things I'm looking forward to with that book is just seeing their interactions with each other because on the surface, from what we know about both of them, it just sounds like it's going to be completely fun and interesting. Yeah, I think... um, I- I'm I'm getting the the Lords of the Sith sort of vibe from it already, um, and that's that is one of my favourite books that's been released so far. So I'm hoping, hoping for something similar. Okay, so I don't think um, we're ever going to get to the bottom of whether <laughs> whether Lucasfilm should should stop or not. But um, yeah, I think we've we've made our our um, voices clear that maybe. Um, they need to get a plan in place. I think that's the the bottom line, is that Lucasfilm need a plan in place, not just for the next six months, but for maybe the next six years. Um, And hopefully hopefully we'll get that and 
I'm still still holding out hope that we'll get some sort of announcement at Celebration next year that that they have got something like that in place. Um, so I think that that ends our discussions for today. Um, we're going to go on to our Twitter poll very quickly, um, and it will come directly from that. So our Twitter question this week is going to be: Should Lucasfilm scrap all standalone movies until at least the end of the Ryan Johnson trilogy? Or should they continue doing it um, and hopefully get a plan in place and still produce that Kenobi and Boba Fett film? Um, So if you get a chance, make sure you uh, head to at Fandom Force Pod on Twitter and let us know what you think. And then we'll reveal the results next week. Um, So thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Uh, Caitlin, we'll start with you. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Force Knowledge, capital F, capital K, and forceknowledge.org. And Megan. And then you can find me on Twitter at, at IsWritingTired and also on Future of the Force as one of the writers. And uh, you can find me at Sam P. P. Thomas on Twitter and Instagram and at thefutureoftheforce.com. Uh, make sure you're following Fandom Force Pod. Um, we are now on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Um, so pick your preferred choice and give us a listen um, and we will see you again next week.